Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, how many of you got glad love, love came? Love saw, love sacrificed. Come on, if anybody in here knows you have been the recipient of the love of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Lord, have mercy. We greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another, whether you are watching via the World Wide Web or you are here in our sanctuary downstairs or up in the balcony. If you know God's been good to you and he has been great to you, would you give him a great praise today? Come on, give him a great praise. Come on, I'm like the old folks say, if I couldn't say a word, I'd just raise my hand. Yes, sir. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out. Mm -hmm. Lord, have mercy. So grateful and thankful to the Lord for all that God has been doing, is doing, and will do in the life of our church. Uh, please don't forget to pick up your worship magazine. Uh, this is good news here at the Good Hope Church as we highlight uh, different ministries and things that are going on, including what if I told you 45 minutes could change your life. Uh, you want to read that article. Uh, marital boundaries. We've got a bunch of stuff going on. And our cover story this month is Worship in the Word starting Wednesday, September the 13th. I think we have, as a part of our staff, uh, one of the most brilliant minds in the body of Christ in Dr. Elliot Mallory Green. Uh, he and I were in school together, and man, I love this brother so much, appreciate his gift, and he is teaching our worship in the Word beginning on Wednesdays. He's been teaching online uh, throughout the pandemic, and we are doing a reset now, and so each Wednesday night beginning the 13th of September, he will be teaching here in the sanctuary, we'll be streaming live, and uh, we're going to have full worship uh, so we're going to have singing, praise, and worship. We're going to go worship and word. That's where we're going, worship and word on Wednesday night. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. And uh, he's going to start uh, a series, uh, if the Lord continues to lead him this way, in the book of Ruth. And God knows, I'm telling you, when we just taught, he started it online, and then we took a break for the summer and he's coming back and I told him I said man you got to start that all over again good God almighty I was just man it was absolutely tremendous and you're going to be blessed by that and again this is part of our discipleship offering uh, because we want to help people who need Jesus know Jesus and help people who know Jesus grow in him and you're going to be blessed by that rooted and grounded make some noise Man, we are super excited, uh, rooted and grounded. We are kicking off our worldwide rooted and grounded and excited about what God wants us to do. Now, this is going to be the last church-wide 
rooted and grounded. And then we're moving in January to purpose-driven life. Now remember, all officers, all leaders, if you want to continue to serve in that capacity, you need to get into a rooted and grounded group. We laid out two years to give everybody two years to get this done. We're at the end of the first year, um, but you can't be a leader if you're not on board with where we're going. Amen. You can't lead from the back of the line. You got to be out front and you got to know what the mission and vision of our church is. And I'm super excited just to see God moving in such a powerful, powerful way. Rooted and grounded. We kick off next week with our rooted curriculum. Next week we kick off and it's going to be a great, great time because we're combining the celebration of our senior adult ministry and grandparents day and rooted and grounded we've got a guest preacher guest singer man it's just gonna be a great great time in the lord and we're super excited about what god is doing listen i've got a testimonial i want you to see that i know will bless you if you're on the fence if you're thinking about do i want to do it do i not want to do it this will put you over the line and you'll join us in rooted and grounded let's hear our testimony Grounded changed my life. From way back in the day, almost 15 years ago, when I was diagnosed with lupus, I noticed a pattern. I was always feeling stressed and overwhelmed because I wanted to achieve. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to do something and be purposeful. And I felt like I really lost sight of what God wanted for me and who God even is. And I had so many questions. I felt helpless and beyond the actual physical pain of lupus, I felt like I needed some answers and some purpose in my life. Because there was this moment in my life where I felt distant from God's people, I felt distant from God, I felt distant from my church family. And then my mother married the senior pastor. And I started feeling a little anxious about now I'm in this first family. What are people going to expect me to do? I need to be perfect. And I started feeling stressed and worried. And then there was this rooted and grounded offering. I was like, well, I get to ask questions and I get to read more and I get to study and I get to learn. And that was so exciting for me because I felt so much in the past like I couldn't ask questions. I just had to believe what other people said because they said that this is what you're supposed to believe. And so going through the material and the rooted and grounded and having questions, having pages and pages of questions that I got to ask and not feeling like judgment really having a community of people that I didn't know before. And so I got to meet new people who were ready to connect. 
and I feel supported. And now I see them, you know, around the city or in the church. And it's like, hey, I remember we got to connect and we got to really get deep. And I got to share vulnerably without being afraid that they were going to, you know, be untrustworthy with the information. And so if you're thinking about joining us, I invite you because people like you are the people that are going to change the lives of the people who know you, who trust you, who look up to you, the people you don't even know that look up to you. And that's something that I really take away. When people see me and hear me talk about what I've learned and how I've come through and how now I feel loved and supported and I have this purpose that's still unfolding and this vision that is drawing me closer to God. That's the exciting part about going through this program. So I invite you to come. I look forward to seeing you there and you got this. Let's do it. Amen. Amen. So Rooted and Grounded kicks off next Sunday. Everybody say next Sunday. But it's not too late for you to register. Now, if you have your Rooted and Grounded t-shirt, I want you to wear your t-shirt on next Sunday. We're coming in Rooted and Grounded strong. For those of you who have been thinking about it, man, it's not too late. Register today. Join a life group today. For those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web, wherever you are in the world, this discipleship community is available to you. Now, you may say, how can I do that, Pastor? I don't live in Houston. Well, there are virtual only groups. You'll be able to connect. And here's the beautiful thing about technology. You will not only be able to connect from wherever you are in the world, but we'll celebrate with you and walk with you, encourage you, and try to add value to you as you add value to others from wherever you are in the world. People who were in our virtual groups who could not serve, for example, in their service projects here in Houston, we helped them to identify spaces where they lived so they could be salt and light where they lived. Absolutely amazing as people took pictures and uploaded them and we were able to celebrate wherever God used them. And that's the key. It's really not about us becoming a big church. It's about us helping you become the biggest and best believer you can possibly be. And so we thank God for that. Hope and pray that you'll sign up wherever you are. Hope and pay, pray those of you who are in the sanctuary that you'll sign up as well and register. Invest in your own growth and let's do this thing together. I want to thank my bonus daughter for doing just an absolutely tremendous job in a testimony as all of our young people have done. And all of our seasoned people have done just been absolutely a blessing to hear the stories that people have shared. Where are all of my September birthdays? Wherever you are, stand up on your feet. All of the September birthdays. If you're visiting with us, stand up. We're going to celebrate you. If you're watching, you go on and make some noise wherever you are. Ooh, yes. Well, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Well, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to you. Oh Lord, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Well, you look good. 
Pray you have a great birthday, man. We already where were we? September the third. Hey, take the whole month. Go on, enjoy yourself. Now, don't tell your boss that if you always take your birthday off. Don't tell him that. My, my pastor said take the whole month off. I ain't say that. But um, celebrate your birthday, as God has brought you into this world for a reason. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we thank you as we go to your word. We pray now that everything that we would do and say will be pleasing in your sight. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So some of you know, some of you may not know, I'm a certified church revitalization specialist. So I help churches and organizations connected with churches and nonprofits as well. Think through how to think strategically about where they are and identify where they need to go in terms of their organization. And being a church revitalization strategist in particular means that I have to think about where churches are on the scale of everything from birth and starting all the way to dying and declining. And I've come to understand something as I've been examining just church culture in general, especially post-pandemic. What's been amazing to me is how me-centered our theology has become. This idea of pep rally preaching, that somehow it is God's responsibility, regardless of what I do, to bless me, deliver me, make me prosperous, and that's it. You're hearing it in songs now. You're listening to songs, and they're so egocentric. It's, it's all about people, right? Nobody talks about what our responsibility is in terms of our behavior. Everybody focuses on what's God's responsibility to bless us. So ask God to open the door, jump up three times and pull down your blessing and spin around three times, high five, five people. And on the fifth time, God is going to bless you. And I, I decree that God is going to make you prosperous this year. Like, How's God going to make me prosperous if I have no discipline in my spending? Right? Are you following what I'm saying? But, but, but that's, that's the theology that is going forth today. So much so that if you are a Christian, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you are a follower of Jesus, there is not a suggestion. There is just an outright bold statement that there is something wrong with you, something wrong with your faith if you are going through something and God doesn't bring you out. But in our text today, we have a bona fide, certified, sanctified child of God. 
One who is so close to God that the Holy Spirit used him to write over half of the New Testament. One who has not only a tremendous curriculum vitae before coming to Jesus, but has one of the most impressive spiritual resumes after knowing Jesus. And his life shows us that despite all you bring to the table, despite how you are used by God, there are some things in life that God will not bring you out of, even if he brings you through. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, the sufficiency of God's grace. I want to continue our series, Making Room for God's Grace. And really, God put this on my heart, this idea of making space for God's grace, because I believe there are many people who, while they can recognize and remember that they were saved by grace, we fail to understand that we are still kept by grace. And so there are many under the sound of my voice who live under the perpetual presence and pressure of perfection because somehow you think that the grace that saved you is not what's keeping you right now. Somehow you think you've got to live holy and righteous enough to be kept by God. And the truth of the matter is every day of our life, we are dependent upon the grace of God. The sufficiency of God's grace. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Those of you who are watching online, you can download an outline at your pleasure from our website or from our app. Now, we began this series talking about the saving grace of God. And then last week we talked about how God's saving grace must become your serving grace. That the grace that God has blessed us with should be the foundation out of which we serve others. So just like we receive God's grace, we should give God's grace as we share our gifts, our talents, our abilities in showing love to other people. Uh, today I want to suggest to you that grace is not only available in our time of need, but grace is all you need. Amen. And for somebody, you're going through something right now. You look better than you actually feel. You're going through a lot on the inside, even though you manage to look good on the outside. And you need to understand that you are being kept right now, even in the midst of what you're dealing with and going through by the grace of God. Three things I want you to see today. Here's the first one. Number one, you must accept you will have trials and difficulties in life. I can't do an exhaustive expositional message on this text today. Time just won't allow me to do it. But let me just share something with you. Second Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse seven, the A part, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Here is the Apostle Paul, the author of our passage today. A man who was used by the Holy Spirit to influence the life of the church more than anybody else with the exception of Jesus and the Holy Ghost himself. 
Here is a man who was used to write over half of the New Testament, who reportedly spoke 13 languages, seven of them fluently. Here is a man who was circumcised on the eighth day in the Jewish tradition. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee. He was a man who without question had spiritual background and pedigree. If anybody was a child of God, the apostle Paul sure was one. But the text says that he was given a thorn in the flesh. Now, for some of you who may not understand that, the thorn we know literally is something prickly or pointed. But figuratively, in this context, Paul is talking about a disability or a bodily annoyance. Something that is plaguing him physically, plaguing him to the point that it is painful, it is perpetual, it is present, and it is prolonged. There's nothing that Paul can do about it. He has been given this thorn in the flesh and he finds no relief for it. Now, for somebody in here, your thorn may not be physical. Your thorn may not be a physical malady. As a matter of fact, for somebody, your thorn is not a thing. It's a person. For somebody else, it may be a situation. Let me share with you four things. Write this in the margin somewhere where a thorn can manifest itself. A thorn can manifest itself in terms of your head, a troubled mind, things that are on your mind, anxiety, uh, panic attacks, those things that are just affecting your mind. And watch this. When they affect your mind, they affect your body. Uh, a thorn can show up in your heart, uh, a broken heart, a lost loved one. Uh, you've been hurt deeply by somebody and typically you're hurt the most by the people you love the most. You're hurt the most by the people you help the most. And, and that place in your heart can be the place where the thorn shows up. For somebody else, it can be your health. Uh, it can be your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health. And your health just isn't like it used to be. Or maybe your health is, is degrading day by day. And you don't know how to manage this loss of health, vim, vigor, and vitality. For somebody else, maybe it's in your home. Your home is dysfunctional. You're having hardship in your home. You're having family problems with people in your immediate concentric circle of contact, right? And so you're having trouble. And, and here's what I need you to understand. Everyone in life is going to have to deal with some thorns at one time or another. Look at John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus says you will have many trials. The question is not will you have them? The question is how long will you have to deal with them? And Paul says, I've got a thorn that's a pain in my side that I've been dealing with for a minute now. Sometimes thorns are the result of self-imposed stupidity or stubbornness. 
In other words, you cause your own thorn. Sometimes thorns are satanically devised, not for our development, but for our destruction. And the devil knows if I can get this thorn in your life, I can discourage you and keep you from fulfilling your potential in God. But whether it is self-imposed because of our stubbornness and stupidity or it's satanically devised, every thorn is sovereignly allowed. In other words, none of our thorns catch God off guard. And God says, you're going to have some thorns. Here's the second thing, though. Number two, you need to realize the blessings that can come out of your trials. Everybody say blessings. Now, for most of you, when I say blessings and trials, you see those as not being congruent with one another. In other words, those two things don't go together. But God says, no, there are blessings that come out of your trials. You just have to identify them. Here's the first one, A, Trials can keep you from becoming prideful. Trials can keep you from becoming prideful. Watch this. Go down to verse two. I was caught up to the third heaven. Verse three, verse four. I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. Go to verse seven, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Now watch this. In the King James, when Paul is talking, it's being translated as Paul talking in the third person. The New Living Translation tries to make sure you don't miss the point. And so it puts all that Paul is saying in the first person because Paul was talking about himself. Paul says each of us has the possibility and maybe the probability and proclivity to experience pride. And he gives us really a formula for pride. Watch what he says. Go back up to verse two. I was caught up to the third heaven. So when you go someplace that other people haven't gone, look at verse four. I heard things so astounding that cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. So I not only went, went where nobody else has gone, I heard things that other people haven't heard. And I received such wonderful revelations from God. So I went where other folk haven't gone I heard what other people have not heard and I saw what other people have never seen. And he says, lest I become prideful. Now, the reason we know that pride was a big potential problem is because Paul starts off verse seven and ends verse seven with the same phrase, lest I become prideful. Because he knew what was the root of pride? Now, some of y'all are looking saying, I don't understand how Paul could get so proud. Guess what? You have a problem with pride and you don't have to see as much as Paul saw and go where Paul went and do what God has allowed Paul to do. 
All we need is just one more pocketbook than somebody else. Or one pair of shoes that somebody else in our clique doesn't have. Or go somewhere that other folk haven't had an opportunity to be blessed to go. And if we go some places that other folk haven't gone, heard some things that other folk haven't heard, or saw some things that other people haven't seen, we can get beside ourselves and we didn't even have to leave earth to go to glory to get there. Some of y'all real quiet. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. I'm not talking about you. He says, I've got a thorn in the flesh to torment me. Um, It's the picture of being hit with a closed fist, being pummeled, being beaten. He, He says, this thorn in the flesh, this messenger from Satan tormented me because God was concerned about me getting beside myself. Listen, sometimes God allows those thorns just to keep you humble because you get beside yourself. Matter of fact, all you need is a little relief from what you're going through and you get beside yourself. And so God says there's a blessing when I send a thorn to keep you humble. Look at James 4, 6. But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. Look at B. Here's the second blessing. Trials can keep you praying. Trials can keep you praying. Verse 8, 2 Corinthians 12, three times, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Uh, that, that word begged, I beseech the Lord. I cried out to God. I desired strongly. I asked God three times, take it away. Now, there are those who would suggest to you, When you pray about something, if you pray about the same thing again, then you didn't have faith the first time you prayed. And so you shouldn't pray and then keep praying and then keep praying. But this is the Apostle Paul, y'all. This is like spiritual Superman. And the Bible says he prayed, but he not only prayed, listen carefully, he says, I beg God three times to take this thorn away. Listen, he was to the point, he was beyond dignity. He was beyond pious platitudes. This is ugly, snot praying. This is, I'm crying out to God praying. I, I have no, no pride praying. I need, if I ever needed God before, I sure do need him now kind of praying. And the Bible says, He prayed three times. Can I tell y'all something? Because of pride, there are many of you in here who wouldn't pray like you've been praying if it wasn't for the thorn that you've had to endure. See, our tendency is when the sun is shining to play instead of pray. 
So when things are going well and we're having a great time in life and we're living footloose and fancy free, we ain't thinking about praying. Maybe, maybe say grace over my food if that doesn't offend the folk I'm eating with. Right? But, but we don't really think about like for real, for real praying. I mean for real, for real, for real praying. It's not until we go through something And the more we go through it and the longer we go through it, the more serious we are about our praying. For some of us, it's only in the midst of the storm, it's only in the midst of the thorn that God even gets a time to talk to us. Because typically we only call them if we need something. So my baby girl, Tiffany, I, um, I had to tell her, on one occasion, this has been years ago, I had to tell her, I said, you know, I said, you know, daddy loves you. And I said, and she said, yeah, daddy, I know you love me. I said, okay, good. I said, but daddy needs to hear from you more than when you want something. Amen. You know, just, just call out of the blue and just say, daddy, you were on my mind, right? Because I know when I see her call me, how she answers the phone, whether she wants something or not. Come on, parents, don't leave me out there by myself. You know what I'm... Oh, man. Like, if she, if she just called to check on me, hey, Dad, how you doing? I'm just checking on you. I was like, okay, good. You need anything? No, 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 I'm good, Dad. But if I answer the phone and she says, Daddy, I just start reaching for my wallet and just pull up Cash App. Okay, what you need? How much you need? How much you need, right? And I told her, I said, listen, I need you to call me more times than when you just want something. I need to just hear your voice. I need to I need just know you're all right. FaceTime me sometimes so I can put my good digital eye on you, right? Just, just, just let me see you every now and then, right? And, and I believe that's what God would like from us. Just every now and then, just to hear, just to thank you, Lord. Just, Lord, you know what? You've been so good. You've been so kind. And if you get to the end of the prayer and God says, what you, what you want? He said, Lord, I don't want anything. You, you've been good enough already. I don't want anything. Man, I wonder if God would fall out of his chair in glory if you ever just said that. Look at C. Trials keep you relying on God's provision. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you he said to me Paul prayed three times he's begging God he's asking God please take this thing off of me and the Bible says God answers his prayer he just didn't answer it the way Paul wanted him to answer it can I tell you something God answers every prayer you pray. He just doesn't always say yes. See, we got this idea, again, this egocentric theology that we've been taught and we're practicing and living and affirming with the songs that we sing and the sermons that we hear. We have this idea that every prayer that we pray, God is supposed to say yes. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says wait 
And sometimes God says no. Paul says, take this thorn from me. Lord, please, I'm begging you. I could do better for you without this encumbrance. And God says, my grace is sufficient. Now, when he says he has said to me or he said to me, the construct of that phrase is basically, this is my final answer. Don't ask me no more. This is it. Paul, you asking me for deliverance. I didn't deliver you. And you think because I didn't deliver you, I didn't hear you. No, I heard you. My grace is sufficient. That word grace, remember, undeserved, unmerited favor, the unlimited blessings of God. But listen, the undeserved, unmerited favor of God, the undeserved blessings of God, the unlimited blessings of God don't manifest themselves the way you and I think they always should. Paul wanted to get out and God says, no, I'm not getting you out. I'm just getting you through. Paul says, but why do I have to deal with this? God says, you don't have to deal with it by yourself. My grace is enough. My grace is sufficient because my grace will walk you through your suffering even when you can't walk out of your suffering. My grace will keep you. Listen to me, somebody right now. It is the grace of God that has been keeping you in your right mind. When you've been at the place where you wanted to lose your mind, it's it's the grace of God. Come on, somebody. When you were on your way to laying hands on somebody. And I ain't talking about praying for them. <laughs> you gonna put them hands on somebody. At least you felt like it. You see, some of y'all don't even want to admit you that. But it crossed your mind. You said, I wanted to knock the. I started to slap the. <laughs> Folks, I slapped the black off of you. <laughs> That's a sure enough slap, right? <laughs> Just slap the pigment off of your skin, <laughs> But God kept you. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. When you was ready to give a person a piece of your mind, it was the grace of God. And you say, God, can you please deliver me from this situation? Can you please deliver me from this person? And God says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is is sufficient doesn't matter the spiritual attacks that you go under my grace is sufficient here's the uh, here's D trials can keep you from keep you trials can keep you recognizing God's power trials can keep you recognizing God's power the B part of verse 9 for my strength is made perfect in weakness Now, 
Remember, this is God talking. Paul says three times, Lord, deliver me. God says, my grace is sufficient because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Here's a lesson that somebody needs to learn today. When your strength is put at the forefront, God's strength is put in the background. You will never recognize the full potency of God's strength when you focus on your strength. It's not because your strength is greater than God's strength. It's because your strength causes you to not be able to see God's strength. So when you rely on your strength, you miss God's strength. God says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. You can't appreciate the omnipotence of God until you recognize your own impotence. A friend of mine in college, Kathy, was a lifeguard. And Kathy and I were talking and I asked her, I said, you know, how do you get to the place where you're able to save somebody? Um, you know, a couple of times in life as a child, I almost drowned. And so I asked her, I said, what, 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 do you, what do you decide? How do you decide? And she said, well, she said, whenever I'm going out and somebody's struggling and um, looks like that they may drown, she said, the first thing I do is make sure I stay far enough away from them so they can't pull me under. All right. And then she said, I'll get behind them and assess how much strength they have. She says, because if they're too strong, they won't let me save them. They'll drown me and then end up drowning themselves because they have too much strength. She says, so I'll just let them flail and I'll let them just scream and holler and I'll just swim behind them. I'll just tread water behind them until they get all that fight out of them. And then I can save them. I said, well, what, 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 if they, what if they've been struggling for a minute? She said, well, if, if it looks like they got a lot of strength in them, sometimes I'll just swim behind them and just push them under. I was like, Kathy, that's cold. What you mean you push them under? She says, no, because when I push them under, they stop worrying about fighting and they start worrying about breathing. And then once I push him under once or twice and I get that fight out of him real quick, then I can just grab him and bring him on in. Let me help somebody today because you think I'm talking about a swimming pool or an ocean and I'm talking about your life because there's somebody in here right now. You've been in your strength so much that you've been too strong to see the power of God manifested in your life. Your weakness moves you to see the Lord's power like nothing else. It's when you get to the end of your strength that you now can recognize the strength of God. It's when you say, I can't, I can't do it any longer. God says, all right, now my grace is sufficient because my strength will show up and be recognized 
in your weakness. Here's the final thing. Number three, you must learn how to praise God for your weaknesses and his grace. You got to learn how to praise God for your weaknesses and his grace. Everybody say praise God. Praise God. Watch what he says. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I will most gladly, most joyfully boy, boast. I will vaunt. I will proudly profess and proclaim my infirmities, my struggles, my issues. Why? Because the power of Christ at that moment rests upon me. Because now I'm acknowledging that it's not me, it's God. He says, I want the power of Christ to rest upon me. I want the power of Christ to dwell in me. I want the power of Christ to not only be in me, but to work on me and work through me. But I cannot claim or walk in the power of Christ when I'm too busy trying to walk in my own power. miss God's power when I focus on my power but wait a minute Paul already told us he didn't have the power to deal with that thorn that's why he asked God three times to get rid of it you don't have enough power to deal with your problems in life that's why you've been praying and begging and asking God to remove it and God says stop asking me for the same thing start trusting me Let the power of God rest on you. Let the power of God cover you. Let the power of God take care of you. See, God says, when you're weak, that's when you become strong. Because his strength shows up when you're weak. And how many of you know his strength is greater than your strength? Right. It's by his grace that God gives you strength when you are weak. It's by his grace that God gives you joy when you are sad. It's by his grace when God restores you when you're broken. It's by his grace that God can set you upright when you've been knocked down. It's by God's grace that you can be kept when you want to give up. It's by God's grace that you can go on when you want to turn back. It's by God's grace. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Father, we bless you. And we thank you. God, we are here. Acknowledging because of our experiences that we can't, but you can. And I pray now, God, for those under the sound of my voice that they have heard today something to encourage them to stop looking and trusting in themselves. 
that they would put aside pride, they would put aside trusting in their own power the messages that the world gives us and that they would put their faith and trust in you and know that the grace that saves us is the grace that has been keeping us is keeping us now and will keep us moving forward hallelujah thank you God for reminding us of your your grace, the sufficiency of your grace to keep us. To remind us that what we're not kept from, what we're not brought out of, you can keep us through by your grace. It's in Jesus' name we ask and bless right now. Amen.